an unusual punishment to teach someone the scarlet letter at 7:30 in the morning. Like that shouldn't that <laughs> shouldn't happen. You know, that shouldn't be happening. You're frustrated, rad. How long are you going to allow yourself to be frustrated before you actually start finding a solution for it? Now is the time, not next year, not in 2 years. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. Marissa Thompson has a master's degree in teacher education and is a high school English teacher, innovation support coach, professional development instructor, and speaker. And she's currently developing courses for an innovation in education certificate for the Jacobs Institute at the University of San Diego. Her experiences culminate in a pedagogy she calls instructionless teaching, which includes her TQE method, currently in classrooms around the world from kindergarten to graduate school. Last year, Marissa won the Ed Innovative Live Pitch Competition and was Q's San Diego Innovative Educator of the Year. Besides teaching and her family, Marissa's greatest passion is travel. And just like the rest of us, she's at home working while her kids run amok. I can totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so it sounds like you're very busy and you're very passionate about a lot of things. I know that we've connected at South by Southwest EDU and on the socials, of course, Twitter. Um, so I'm sort of curious, though. I know we thrive in this passionate world of face-to-face -face interaction with the kids, but what do you secretly like about working from home? I would imagine that this is a common thing for, for most people, but especially being teachers, we're up so early and we're at work so early. The idea of being able to wake up when the sun is already up is amazing, right? Um, and, and starting a day with a little bit of time for myself. Um, and I, I even, I, it's such a treasure during the summer to be able to spend time with my kids as they're like watching cartoons and eating their Cheerios, but to be able to do like a morning snuggle, that's a treat right now. So uh, I'm trying my best to appreciate as much as I can. Um, and those are those little things that, that kind of keep me going in the morning. Absolutely. Yeah. I like having my leisurely breakfast. It's like, like civilized. <laughs> breakfast at all. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so what have you learned about yourself while being on quarantine? You know, I, I've always known that I like being creative, but I've figured out that like you said, I, I am busy and I absolutely love it. And luckily teaching and education allows me to be really creative, but the rushing around is my total enemy. Um, making sure I'm here at this time and then I got to get to that thing and put a reminder in my phone because it, I have to leave by this time to get there. Like that is the enemy for myself and, and for my family. Um, and I, I feel like I knew that, especially with the breaks that we get. Um, but this has really highlighted it because it was an unexpected break, right? And I'm still working, but I'm working in such a way that I can kind of fluctuate or, or vacillate between being a mom and being a wife and a person, if you want to go with that, and um, also being a teacher. So rushing around is, is not good for me, but um, I miss being outside in a very different way. I'm still going outside and like, I'll have a cup of tea in the afternoon and sit outside and the birds are really loud, you know, um, but I just, I miss being active outside, but I don't miss rushing at all. Right. Definitely slowing down a little bit. I think yeah, like yeah. I keep saying is like, it's a more humane pace right now. Right. 
That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about your tea and listening to the birds. Like nature is pretty great. How well, a glass of wine, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> I was just talking with Chris Bronke about his passion for wine too. So we're going to trade notes um, yeah. when this podcast is over. But yeah. um, so how else have you kept your sanity while being on lockdown? Uh, we are very lucky to, we have a Jeep. And so we've been going on drives and we've got the the top off you know and so it's just kind of feels like you're a little bit on vacation and that's been super helpful um and i'm trying some new things like i've i've started baking bread i think with the entire world last week and um i'm handed that out to our closest friends who we know are healthy and we're, we're still healthy and um that's just been really a nice blessing and it's a it's a new start to the day like i'll have my coffee and i'm checking my email and i'm also oh yeah i gotta throw in the bread like that's it's kind of nice you know um but learning something new and also kind of having that same kind of comfort level by by running around our neighborhood in the jeep has been it's a nice respite you know even if just for a few minutes yeah that's great it's almost like we're living a modern little house on the prairie kind of existence right <laughs> it's a jeep <laughs> with the Jeep instead of the right. covered wagon, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you like best about remote work, either personally or professionally? It's been a challenge for me to, you know, like you I have all these different roles, right? And I've got my foot in lots of different places. But um, to have the time to actually help has been great. And like, no, we've got time. Go ahead. Let's just, why don't you share your screen and I'll help you out. That has been really wonderful um instead of like the two minutes in the hallway right um as we're moving from class to class but also just time to think and and really reflect i know you comment on on what's going on in the world a lot and what's going on in the world of education and i, and I am lucky enough to be able to do that too but to be able to reflect and have that time just to think a little bit has been really wonderful it's been nice. And then I also have been able to have a little bit more of a work-life balance. Once I finally kind of settled down, those first few weeks are uh, really knock you off your game um, and you lose your balance a little bit. But I've been able to kind of find some sort of a rhythm that, that is working for me personally, but also allowing me to do the things that I need to do professionally. So that's been really nice. You think that's true for your students as well? Man, I hope so. Um, I sure hope so. I, I do get nervous at the idea of a lot of them are getting overwhelmed with the number of emails they're getting, especially because when we're using Google Classroom, they're getting so many different assignments and then updates and then, oh yeah, I forgot that attachment. And my students have, what, six teachers at least. And so when you start putting together how many emails they're getting and they're not used to having a full inbox, and we know how stressful that is as an adult. Um, that's a that's a new stress for them that they haven't really experienced. So I hope that they're finding that balance. Um, that's definitely my wish for them at this for everyone, but especially for my students who may not know what this is like, not a student, but especially the kids. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of us are stressed about what we've lost and our old ways of working, but I'm wondering, what do you think are some advantages of teaching remotely? Teaching remotely, the advantage is teaching remotely. I, I like that I get to allow students the flexibility with their time so that they're learning when they're awake. I know it sounds so silly, but I mean, I should, it is 
cruel and unusual punishment to teach someone the scarlet letter at 7.30 in the morning. Like that shouldn't, that should not happen, you know? Um, sit down and write this analytical essay at 7.30, get going, you know, like that's not, that shouldn't be happening. So I, I like that. I like that they get to have the flexibility like I get to have. Um, I appreciate that. And then I think there are so many great lessons that we're learning as educators and maybe that's helping us kind of revise the way that we're viewing our curriculum, the way that we're viewing the content and the skills and things like that. So I, I think there are benefits to it. I think it's just a matter of those first few weeks, I think really um, threw us for a loop. And uh, it's, this is not the same as like, you know, the building is under construction or something. This is, there's a lot going on. Um, and so I think there's a difference between working remotely and working remotely during a global pandemic that's killing tens of thousands of people in our country. Like that's a, those are different, different worlds. Yeah, definitely for sure. I think the emotional stress has really affected everybody. Like I know I was just talking to my students this morning about me being on a shorter fuse than I normally am. And they're kind of in the same place, right? Motivation is in a different spot than it was before. Yeah. And factoring that. And I wonder like, do we have to be more mindful of, you know, emotional state and be more empathetic. I think that so many of us want to be, um, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head that that we're all going through this, and so we're trying our best to be, and we definitely should be already, and we and we should we should have been doing this already. That that paying attention to the mental and emotional health, um, and I think that we used to say that we were or or like to think that we were and now it's oh this really is is necessary and urgent um but i hope that it remains necessary and urgent even when it doesn't seem so does that make sense i hope that's clear absolutely and now i'm just going to ask you that next is like what are some of the lessons that we've learned as educators um, from all of this that you want to keep and implement once the pandemic is over like 85 things um I would, I would love for things that right now seem so important to remain important when we go back to quote unquote, you know, air quotes, normal, you know, uh, the first couple of weeks it's, Hey, we don't know what's going on at kids, uh, in kids' lives and their families' lives. We need to cut them a whole bunch of slack and just really focus on the, the most important skills and allow them the flexibility to show their learning. And I'm just sitting there going like, Oh, Yes, that's it. That's what we've wanted. Um, and I'm so happy to hear so many more people saying it. That shouldn't go away. We never know what's going on in a student's life or in their family life or what's going on at home. We never know. And if a kid needs some flexibility, I'm not saying lower standards, but we need to find a way to respect people as people, regardless of their age, regardless of, uh, you know, whatever you've got going regardless of anything with the respect for the person the respect for the learner as a whole person needs to remain so i love that that's definitely something that needs to happen but the other thing that seems to be striking me is a lot of these challenges that were that were we've known have been there and that we're really seeing the effects of right and the public is now seeing the effects of these these inequities that have been there and are catastrophic right now are solvable and they were solvable. So my hope is that ultimately when we go back to school 
or even before that, like in the next few months as we start to like move into the concept of summer, that people actually start putting into, into the work and into action a plan to solve some of these inequities and include in that like three or four months into the plan a time for reflection to see how we're doing. But once we identify that there's a problem, that there's something that's unequal, that there's something that is not fair to our students, it needs to be solved immediately. We shouldn't wait for a catastrophe to then solve problems. So I'm hoping that we remember this and that we act with this as a possibility in mind in the future, whether it's a pandemic or, you know, God, I don't want to list all the possible catastrophes that we could go through, especially right now, but um, it, we shouldn't wait especially when we have the means and we have the talented people to work on it, we, we need to fix things. hundred percent. Right. Right. Why do we wait for a fire before we have to act? Right. Right. Uh, so many of these things we told ourselves were impossible and we couldn't do or couldn't use, you know, it's now essential, right? Yeah. Now in the norm, it's, it's, you know, only a couple weeks in and everybody's got it almost figured out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you are very savvy with technology and you're very experienced uh, and recognized with your work, but I know that a lot of, of our colleagues are still struggling with online learning and, you know, all of the issues that they're facing in their own personal lives and things. So I'm, I'm curious if you have any advice for other colleagues about this new normal of teaching um, to help them get through the times or make them stronger as educators. I really think that a lot of people are, are doing a great job of throwing out ideas and throwing out possible solutions. And I, I think that that's wonderful, but it, I've really learned in this experience that a lot of people, especially when they're overwhelmed, can't take in the help that we're offering. So my advice would be, look, focus on three things, you know, find three tools that work for you. One that's going to create videos so that you can send it out to your kids. One that's going to allow them to interact and that you can track their learning, right? And, and be able to identify gaps in their learning. Um, and then one maybe for discussions or collaborating. Learn three tools. Everything else is, is icing, right? Everything else is gravy. So just do those, master those, do your teaching. You're a great teacher, do it, you know? Um, the other thing that I would love for people to try to appreciate, which is really hard, is the power of a constraint when it comes to our creativity. So, I mean, I'm, you know, quote unquote, unlimited teacher, right? Stop limiting kids. Don't even provide instructions. Allow as much flexibility as the kid can come up with, you know, to show their learning. But at the same time, look how creative we're being. We go, look, we're gonna take away the physical space of the classroom, figure it out. And we didn't like it, especially for the first couple of weeks, but look what's coming from it. You know, so the creative constraint, if we can try and embrace it and go like, oh, okay, so I can't do that the way I normally would. Now, what do I do? So I love that part of it. That would be another piece of advice that I would offer. But I, I really don't want teachers to stress so much about these current weeks. This is the perfect time, really, because we're reviewing skills. We know our kids. We've established culture. But if we could see these few weeks as a practice run for when this might be necessary in the future, that could be really useful because we don't know when we're going back. 
So this is the time to just get used to things, trial and error, reflect, try again, and then that way we can, we can start really putting together something for when we are meeting new students and teaching new skills to them. Um, I think that's the best way to kind of have this, this focus. Absolutely, I like the key words you have in there of like creativity, and it's like, that should be a core fundamental skill, right? Because you need to be creative in no matter what situation you're in, whether it's science or math or whatever. And I also like this idea of like the challenge, like teachers have been challenged to meet some new standard or to do something new. And why haven't we done that with our students? Why haven't we given them a challenge? Um, It's more stressful. Uh, It's not what we're used to in school, but definitely in life we are, right? Yeah. And the, my, the result is so yeah. interesting. Well, one of my favorite skills that I, I, I don't have a beautiful term for, but it, it just the process of figuring it out. So I, I, the challenge, the gauntlet, right? I'll lay it down the gauntlet for the student and go, okay, figure it out. But it's that resilience, that grit that they're learning as they get frustrated. So that's the formative that I go to them and go, hey, you know, I, I have this one student, I adore this kid. Was so frustrated, and uh, he goes, "This is this project is so stupid." And I was like, "Hello, you know, welcome. Hey, Matt, how's it going?" And he's like, "I don't mean it. I just I'm really frustrated." I was like, "Awesome. That's actually what I'm trying to teach you. I could care less about your poster. So you're frustrated, rad. How long are you going to allow yourself to be frustrated before you actually start finding a solution for it, right?" And he's a baseball player. Great kid, right? And I go, on the baseball field, if you get super frustrated, do you just stop and go, oh, this is stupid, and just kind of walk off? Or do you brush it off, shake it off, here we go, let's keep going. And he was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And so that, I'm like, that's the learning, man. It's not the poster. I don't, whatever. I, the learning is in the grit. The learning is, I identify this emotion. I know it's going to keep me back. What am I going to do now? So it is. It's a challenge for us. We can offer that challenge to students. That's where the real learning is. Um, So you've talked about a lot of these already, um, about some of the silver linings in remote teaching. Um, What are some of those for you? And if you had to narrow it down to just one, what would be the most important silver lining for you out of all of this? I think for me, it's the, the shift of, it seems like a global shift from being so self focused and being more globally focused and, and res- respect for all people. I mean, uh, my family's healthy. We're staying home out of respect for everyone. And, and so many people are. And I, I just, this move from the self to everyone is, is really beautiful. Just gorgeous. How does that translate to school? <laughs> I think the students, I think we train them to focus so much on themselves and their grades and their future and their application process and their and those are all important things I guess like I don't mean to trivialize them but at the same time the most beautiful moments and the moments that I'm missing in my class right now is that collective effervescence right the building of ideas the discussion the complementing of each other it's it's the respect for each other um, and the interaction with each other that I'm really missing and that I'm most worried about when it comes to remote learning. What do you want policymakers to change or adopt as we look to next school year and as we reimagine the future of education? Internet should be a right. 
I mean, you have the right to electricity, you have the right to water, and depending on what you make, they'll fluctuate the price for you. Internet should be provided to all people, especially if, I mean, this is the way the world works right now. And I wish that we would allow more flexibility for the student in our scheduling of what they're doing, um, in which classes they can take, who they can take them with, um, how they can take them online or on campus or which campus in the district. Um, I think these, sh these simple shifts that aren't simple and I'm sure have complexities that I don't understand and that I don't have to deal with can happen if we put the effort into them. Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> Mind ever matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is there one final piece of advice you'd like to share with teachers or educators or policymakers uh, about remote learning? I think it's, it's kind of similar for, for both the teachers and to the, I guess, general public, right? Is that because we're working with minors, you don't get to see the magic that happens in a classroom. And we can practice skills in remote learning and, and they are skills that are necessary, especially digital literacy and, and technology, all these different skills that the students will be using in their lifetime. So I don't have a problem with that, but there's a magic that happens in a classroom that we're missing right now. So as much as I'm seeing comments from lots of different places about should teachers be getting paid and what are the teachers really doing and thank goodness for the teachers, I totally get it now. And all these different comments about school there's a magic that happens when you bring together, for me, 35 to 40 teenagers and, and just talk to them about big ideas and, and literature and what's possible in our world and their lives and what kind of person do you want to be. And I, I, just, I just want people to understand how special of a place school is. And I, I, I wish, Michael, wouldn't it be great if we could actually do like a reality show? I say all the time to my students when we're doing discussions, things like, I just wish I could put like a little live webcam so that the general public can hear how amazing you are. Because we would blow up the reputation of the teenager really fast, you know? I just wish we could. Yeah, I mean, the kids are so great. Uh, they inspire me all the time. They're ridiculous and funny and passionate and kind and... Um, it's really great. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share, Marissa? I just, I want to say thank you to all the teachers and all the families and the, gosh, the leadership right now. And they're, they're trying to solve these problems that we weren't anticipating. And um, I'm very appreciative of that. If there are more problems to be solved, now is the time, not next year not in two years now is the time to start writing grants to start writing proposals to start sharing out um, our voices to and act on the ideas that we have people are listening now um, and so now is is the time so if if you have an idea if you have a solution if you um, have access to a grant application start now fantastic well, Marissa Thompson, it's been great talking with you. Thanks for sharing your ideas. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. It was super fun. If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.